It was a tough afternoon for the Memphis Grizzlies. As excited as folks were that playoff basketball had returned, as wonderful as it was to have a chance against LeBron James and Anthony Davis on the biggest stage of NBA Sunday, unfortunately things go awry. A big loss to the Lakers and perhaps an even bigger loss long term, depending on the health of John Morant and his already banged up hand. We're going to talk about that in all things game one next here on Locked On Grizzlies. Let's lock in. You are Locked On Grizzlies, your daily Memphis Grizzlies podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, hello, and welcome to another installment of Locked On Grizzlies, a Monday episode of Locked On Grizzlies. I am one of your hosts, Joe Mullinax. I write about the Memphis Grizzlies for Bluff City Media, Grizzlies contributor over that fine website. You can check out my co-host, Michael Cole, of the Commercial Appeal, Grizzlies beat writer for the Commercial Appeal there in Memphis, Tennessee. He was there live and in person for Game 1 on Sunday afternoon. Make sure you're checking out his work over the Commercial Appeal. And we're excited that you're with both of us together here, as we are each and every day, just about, on Locked On Grizzlies. We are free and available wherever you get your podcasts. You can also check us out on YouTube. Like, comment, rate, review, subscribe, however you get your podcasts, however you make us a part daily of your NBA and Memphis Grizzlies experience. It is much appreciated. This episode of Locked On Grizzlies is brought to you by Prize Picks. First-time users can receive a 100% instant discount match up to $100 with the promo code locked on. That's prizepicks.com, promo code locked on. DeMichael, we're going to try to bring the energy here on this Monday, but yeah. after the way that the Grizzlies stumbled at the end of that game, there was so much to be positive about going into halftime. Memphis had found a way to build a six-point lead. Anthony Davis got injured late in that quarter but it's not like that was the reason Memphis built that lead. They were making a run even with Davis on the floor. Obviously, him not being there helped. I'm not trying to say it didn't. But there were reasons to be positive going into the second half, even with AD returning. And again, that was a good thing that he returned. We're certainly not going to root for injuries here on Lockdown Grizzlies. But Davis continued his dominance against Memphis. LeBron James had a strong performance. Austin Reeves, uh, completely took over in the fourth quarter in the second yeah. half of Grizzlies Lakers was the Grizzlies playground. They scored 30 plus points in both quarters, had their way. Rui Achimura, who I know we'll talk about throughout this episode, uh, had the game of his life. And of course, John Morant gets injured later in the game, um, hurts his hand worse. It had already been taped. He, uh, I think it was Anthony Davis takes a charge. Jaw hits the ground and yeah. lands right on the bum hand comes up immediately. I know that you talked to him and he talked about how he couldn't even, or you noticed that he couldn't even ball up his socks or something along those lines, something that he couldn't move his hand in a normal functional way. So Morant is very much in doubt for game two. So all that is to say to Michael, uh, not so much to be happy about on this Monday in Memphis. Yeah, it's, it's a concern for sure. When we're talking about John Morant's status and we'll get more into the game, but still, you got to start here with Ja and just what's next uh, for him. So you mentioned it. Yes, we went in the locker room and uh, Ja, you know, is his body language, as he even said. So you probably can notice my body language right now is just not the best because 
it's it's two layers to this show. It's 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 one, you know, it's like it's another injury in the playoffs and and you know that whole thing. And then two, as he kept saying, he's like, look, this is stressful because after everything I've been through this season, I just wanted to be back with my team. And that's kind of, you know, those were his words. And we get in the locker room, Joe. Um, you mentioned it. His right hand completely uh, was useless. Uh, he used his left hand as he put on his uh, headphones. If you can see me here on the YouTube here, he basically would grab one, you know, put one on with that hand with his left hand and then he'd grab the other year and put it on with his left hand. And then he did the same thing with his shirt, put his shirt on with his left hand. Uh, you mentioned the socks, which I think stood out to people because the socks were, you know, balled up and he couldn't pull the socks off of each other to put them on his feet. So he tossed them to someone else uh, to kind of, you know, untangle the socks for him so he can put them on his feet because he wasn't using his right hand. So all those were signs that man, you know, like he's not even using his right hand at all right now. He's not even, you know, doing anything with it. But to the positive side of this is uh, Taylor Jenkins said x-rays were negative. That that means, you know, there's you no know, fractures here and whatnot. So uh, there is a there is a chance, you know, we'll, we'll see over the course of time here how he progresses. And, you know, there are there's more evaluations that has to happen. Once we get all those updates, we'll have it. But. Uh, Josh said his status for game two is in doubt. So I think that's how we should, you know, operate right now uh, with the fact that, hey, it's it's unlikely that he'll play in game two. I think personally it's realistic that he'll come back after that uh, since, you know, he just has to get some movement in that hand. If you look at it, it, it bent back awkwardly. Uh, so the fact that it's not fractured, it's probably some strong contusions going on there. But more than anything, uh, it's a tough break for him mentally. You know, uh, he was meditating in the locker room after these, all the Grizzlies players had went to, you know, take showers and lift and all those things. Ja was the only player in the locker room. And Joe, he just sat back in his locker and he put his beats headphones on and he just started, you know, taking deep breaths and meditating because, you know, remember he went to the counseling program in Mm -hmm. Florida. That was a big, big emphasis uh, of handling stress. And this was a stressful moment for him. So, uh, he has to pick himself up from this. His teammates will have to pick him up. But we'll see, you know, as far as his playing stats over the course of the week, what goes. But right now, it looks like uh, game two is probably unlikely. Adversity does not build character. It reveals it. And I think that this is a wonderful test, not just of John Morant, who's undergone pr- plenty of plights and pr- plenty of uh, issues. Some of them, again, brought upon himself, not trying to make excuses. Uh, but he's had a rough year, I think we all can agree on. And as far as the team at large, you know, without Morant, you know, obviously Kennedy Chandler got released to have Kenneth Lofton Jr. That would mean more Desmond Bain at the backup point. That would mean Luke Kennard and Bain playing more together, which theoretically could be good for the reserves who got completely outplayed uh, by the Lakers. And we'll talk more about that later in the show. But I'm curious, you know, you talked about his body language. He did some really impressive things in the Lakers game. But I can't shake the feeling to Michael that he continues to try to rediscover himself. Like he is not the same guy on the floor, not even necessarily basketball wise. You see the flash and the explosiveness. He had a stretch in the third quarter where he took he looked the like game the third option in a way. Didn't mm-hmm. he? Right. Yes, absolutely. That's what I was getting at. He looked like someone that was the, the third guy and he's not the third guy, at least not the, the John Morant that you and I have come to know over the years of covering the team. 
not the guy that Memphis drafted in 2019. He's still got a lot going on, and I'm not – trust me, I am not going to say that John Morant lost this game for Memphis because, as DeMichael alluded to, he is very clearly still going through some stuff, and he's working through those things in a very public manner. I, I am having empathy for that. But when he's on the floor, you can't help but notice that he is not the same guy that he was before all this went down. 100%. And and we're talking about on the court, right? Uh, he Ever since he said that he's not the number one option anymore, you can see mm-hmm. it in his play that he actually – you know, is deferring to Jaron Moore, which actually worked out in this game, but that's neither going. And then Desmond We'll talk Bain, more about that later. Exactly. Desmond Bain had a really good stretch, I think, was in the third quarter when he got cooking. But I mm-hmm. think Des and Jaron were the two leading uh, scorers for the Grizzlies at halftime. I think Des had 12, Ja had 10, and uh, Jaron had, what, 19, I believe it was. So mm-hmm. uh, he, he he's not shooting as much as those guys, or he wasn't in that game. And I think, you know, Part of it can be attributed to how the Lakers guarded him, too. I think uh, maybe we shouldn't make too much of it because of this game. Jared Vanderbilt was basically face-guarding uh, Ja, and he was guarding him full, with full-court pressure. Mm-hmm. So the Grizzlies didn't really fight through that a lot of times. What they did was at one point they just brought Tyus Jones into the game and played two-point guards. They said, hey, you're going to yeah. guard Ja like that? We're just going to let Tyus bring the ball up the court. And other times it would be Desmond Bain, Dylan Brooks, Oh, those guys and and Ja would get into you know uh, the offense in the half court, so a little bit different from that perspective because of how the Lakers were guarding him as well. So I think you know again, Jaron was working in the first half, nineteen points, mm-hmm. and he had, he was eight of twelve shooting. There was no need to go to Ja, and then in the third quarter he got it going. So I think you know it's it's you know it's definitely in his head. It's one of those things where Ja's a very high IQ player. And sometimes that can kind of work against you because of the fact he knows how good that Jaron and Dez are, that he'll he'll take advantage of that. And it's like, wait, don't don't forget you, Mr. Right. Two-time All-Star. Uh, you know, you're that guy. You, you you are that guy. So he has to remember that as well. But it'll be it'll be real interesting to see, you know, how that unfolds over the course of the series, uh, if and when he's able to return. Yes, yeah, so get well, Jaw, in more ways than one. Hopefully, it's a positive. Obviously, Memphis doesn't play until Wednesday. So, as much as we were complaining, or at least I was complaining about that, you know, helping it out. It works out now, huh? <laughs> right now, it works out. So, you know, Jaw has historically, with the Grizzlies, returned faster from injury than and normally anticipated. Maybe this will be another case of that, but we'll certainly see. And again, I can't stress enough. Kudos to the Lakers. I agree that Jared Vanderbilt is a lot of fun to watch. He had a role in Morant not being as active as perhaps he wanted to. But John Morant is not the same body language-wise. You can see it. And I hope that he finds not just his production on the court, again, trying to be consistent. You want him to, you know, find his peace off of it. And it sounds like that meditation, he's still working through those things on a daily basis, even after a pretty disappointing loss uh, to the Los Angeles Lakers. We're going to try to get a little more positive coming up here on Locked On Grizzlies. We're going to look for things that Michael mentioned, Jaron Jackson Jr. a moment ago. I have a feeling his name will be brought up again. Things to be positive and optimistic about heading into Wednesday's game, too, next year on Locked On Grizzlies. But first, this episode of Locked On Grizzlies is brought to you by Prize Picks. Big fan of Prize Picks over here. At least I am. I can't speak for DeMichael, but I like Prize Picks. I like that you can go and take somebody like LeBron James to have more than 7.5 assists. You can take Anthony Davis to grab 
more than 9.5 rebounds. You can have Desmond Bain to make more than 3.5 threes. However you want to run your prize picks game, you can do it. It's very flexible. You pick two to six players. If they'll score more or less than their prize picks projection, you can win up to 25 times your money on any entry. No competing against other people. It's just you and the projections available. And just about every sport under the sun is uh, represented in prize picks. you got the NBA, Major League Baseball, NHL, the PGA Tour, up and down. Any sport that's active right now just about is over on prize picks. Entries can be made in 60 seconds or less. It is literally that simple with safe and fast withdrawals, currently operational in over 30 states as well as in Canada. Download the prize picks app or go to prizepicks.com to sign up and play daily fantasy sports. First-time users can receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100 with the promo code Locked On. If you deposit $100, Prize Picks will give you $100. If you deposit $50, Prize Picks will give you $50. Don't forget to enter the promo code Locked On at sign up for an instant deposit match up to $100. We're going to make your Monday a little better next here on Locked On Grizzlies. Stay with us. Welcome back to Locked On Grizzlies. I am Joe Mullinax joined by the wonderful, the handsome, the very suave, uh, DeMichael Cole. He, he did such a good job covering there in person for the commercial appeal. Grizzlies beat writer. Uh, he he might have been. You, you might be recording this episode of Lockdown Grizzlies from that exact spot, DeMichael. Yeah, Joe, you were, Joe, we're the white T-boys today. Too. I was just did you, to say, did we are on the white T-team. I did we're, notice that. We're the yeah. white T-boys today. Check it yes. out. You know, after going to prom, I feel a lot more hip and down with it over the weekend. <laughs> I'm a teacher in my day job, and uh, you know, I was, you know, helping out with the prom at my school. And, you know, I, I probably am dating myself. I'm guessing being fresh in my white tee is not cool anymore. But, <laughs> you know, I, I'm going to roll with it. DeMichael pointed it out. And anytime DeMichael points out something, it makes me smile. So white tee boys are here and we're going to get positive to Michael. We're going to try mm -hmm. to find some reasons over the next several minutes to make Memphis Grizzlies fans feel a little bit better about their lives. You mentioned Jaron Jackson Jr. a moment ago, and I'll let you, because you saw him in person. You saw him yeah. do it live. So I'm going to let you handle Jaron. I'm going to go off on a brief tangent here, and I know how our listeners and viewers love my tangents. Yeah. Oh, yeah. They look forward to these. I live in the Virginia area. I live in Richmond, Virginia, for those yeah. who don't know. And I'm from Washington, D.C. I grew up a Washington Wizards fan. So naturally, my second team that I follow, the Grizzlies are number one. It's not even close. The team that I follow, hey, how did they do last night, is the Washington Wizards. I can tell you, I did look at the numbers, but I knew it before the numbers. Rui Hachimura has never, <laughs> ever had a professional basketball shooting performance like he did against the Grizzlies in game one. Desmond Bain mentioned it in the postgame presser. That was part of their plan. They were going to let him shoot the threes. He made them pay for it this time. And Bain literally said, we'll see if he does it in game two. So I don't, they're going to make some changes that over the next couple of days here on Locked On, you and I can talk about. They're going to make some adjustments. But <laughs> I don't think that's one of them because Rui Hachimura, before this game, had shot 29% from three as a member of the Los Angeles Lakers. 29% from three as a member of the Lakers. This is by far the best Hachimura has ever shot at this volume as a three-point shooter It fed into his confidence in terms of his two-point game, which in fairness, he's a little more consistent with. And it also fed into the confidence of the Lakers. That is not, even if he's that open again, I'm not sure he could do that if his life <laughs> depended on it. 
I don't blame you for thinking that way, right? Uh, career high, I mean, season high in three pointers this year mm-hmm. was three, and he 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 did he made four in one quarter, like he he surpassed his season high for a game through one quarter of play. That third quarter where he made four uh, three pointers. So I mean, you're onto something there. And like you said, Des said, "Hey, look, that was part of the game plan. That's what this." He even said it was part of the game plan. Hey, right. Let yeah. this guy shoot, and he he made him pay. You know that's what game plans are for. But uh, you mentioned Jaron Jackson Jr. earlier, and if we want a positive takeaway, it's this team, the Lakers. They don't really have an answer for Jaron Jackson Jr. I'm going to explain no. why. Because yes, they have Anthony Davis, who, by the way, seven blocks. Yeah, uh, season season high ten blocks for the Lakers, and how about two guys got them? Uh, Anthony Davis and LeBron James, just just two monsters, right? But <laughs> with that being said, here's the thing: here's the the situation. No one else outside of Anthony Davis stands a chance against Jaron Jackson Jr. As strong as LeBron is, as physical as LeBron is, Jaron has grown patient in his approach. He doesn't rush, and at the end of the day, he's taller. He can shoot over the top of LeBron. And LeBron can kind of, you know, be physical with him and all that. But Jaron has gotten so patient. He got to his spots against LeBron James, and he was finishing over him, finishing around him. And no one else stands a chance. You know, Rui uh, has never really been known, as you, you mentioned, never been, been known for his, his uh, defense, always had offensive talent, but never really been known uh, for his play on that side of the ball. And those are pretty much the guys, you know, Jared Vanderbilt, again, uh, same thing. For the most part, he was guarding on the perimeter in this past game. But if he matches up against Jaron, I think you're going to get the same case, whereas a guy who's shorter and Jaron's just going to shoot over the top of him. Anthony Davis, in theory, works, Joe. Great size, shot Mm -hmm. blocker, uh, mobile. But the thing is, Jaron Jackson Jr. isn't just a post-up guy. He will bring you away from the basket. He got he 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 did some of that in this game as well. He's kind of like a stretch four, stretch five, whatever you want to call it. But the thing is, the Lakers want Anthony Davis around the rim. Seven blocks right. are, are why. Seven blocks are exactly why they want him around the rim. But the thing about it is, if you put him on Jaron Jackson Jr., Jaron brings him away from the rim. Now you have John Morant, Desmond Bain driving to the basket with limited rim protection. And they're going to feast off of that. So it's kind of like a give and take where the Lakers have to figure out, man, look, we want this guy guarding Jaron or that guy guarding Jaron, and we prefer Anthony Davis in certain situations to come help because he guarded Xavier Tillman Sr. Uh, for the most part in this game. But that's kind of the situation you're putting the Lakers in. So sure, in my mind, there is an answer, but it's not the answer they want to use. So because of that, uh, Jaron Jackson Jr., uh, I see no reason why he shouldn't dominate the rest of this series. They threw the double teams at him, Joe. They threw all the different looks, and he responded well. Joe, check it out. You, you, you've you been one of those guys talking about his playmaking, four assists. Mm-hmm. A couple of those came out of those double teams. Joe, what did you think about that? I loved it. I'm glad you brought it up. I was going to bring it up if you didn't, but as usual, <laughs> I'm no partner. I was very impressed with how he played. He dominated LeBron James. Like, LeBron James very much – Looked like a 38-year-old man trying to stop someone. (laughs) And, again, there were times where LeBron did not look that way. Multiple chase down blocks. Yeah. You know, father time is undefeated. You're right with Jaron. Correct. Against Jaron, he looked that way. Against other guys, like Desmond Bain might have some nightmares about LeBron James. (laughs) But LeBron struggled with Jaron. If Vanderbilt is the guy that defends Jaron, 
I think that they had a lot of success with him on the perimeter and they would almost lose some of what helped them in this game, even if Ja is out. So I don't know, maybe you put him on Bain. I mean, if he can defend Ja, he can defend Bain. And maybe you continue that energy because he had a strong game. Again, Ja played well, but Ja worked for the offense that he got. Yeah. So I think that you really have to be impressed with Jaron. And as poorly as the game went, especially that fourth quarter, and I'll talk more about that here in a minute, as poorly as that went, Rui Hachimura, I can't stress this enough, that will never happen again. <laughs> if he scores that way again, he scored more points off the bench. I, I think this is an ESPN stats tweet. He scored more, the most points off the bench for the Los Angeles Lakers since Magic Johnson in the mid-90s. Yeah, 96. Yeah. Rui Hachimura. Okay, <laughs> Again, he's a good player. I'm not trying to be disrespectful in terms of, is he going to score 8 to 10 a night off the bench? Absolutely. That's his yeah. average, right? Like, yes, expect that from him. He's not going to – no way he's 5 or 6 from 3. No way he shoots that efficiently. It's not going to happen. I think it was 11 for 14 from the yeah, field. 29 points. Let the team No score. way. No way that happens again. Jaron Jackson can absolutely do what he did to the Lakers again. And that's a reason to be optimistic, among others that I'm sure we'll talk about on future episodes this week of Lockdown Grizzlies. But we got to, you know, end on a bit of a tough note on this episode. There are some things that we weren't as excited about. And we'll talk about those items next here on Lockdown Grizzlies. But first, we are sponsored once again by the delicious Built Bar. If you're looking for a delicious snack but don't want all the sugar and calories, you need to be taking or be trying the best tasting protein bar ever. That's built. You got to try it. If you're like me, you want to make a healthier snack choice, you should try the healthy and amazingly tasting mm. built bar. What makes them taste so good? They are covered in 100% real dark chocolate. They have flavors like churro, peanut butter brownie, and cookies and cream. And they do all this in 130 calories, only four grams of sugar, and a whopping 17 grams of protein. You can get your built bars at built.com. Go check them out right there, right now. But if you want them a little bit faster, you can go to your local Walmart, go to your local Sam's Club, and you can get specialty flavors that you want, like double chocolate bar, coconut puff, which is my personal favorite, cookies and cream. You can get all those at Walmart in the pharmacy section today. If you're close to a Sam's Club, you can get a 13-bar box with hit flavors like brownie batter puff or churro puff. Thank us later here at Lockdown Grizzlies, and check out Built Bar, a wonderful sponsor of not just Lockdown Grizzlies, but the Lockdown Podcast Network. We're going to end as a bit of a Debbie Downer on this Monday, talking the uh, things we didn't like about game one. Stick with us here on Lockdown Grizzlies. Welcome back to Lockdown Grizzlies. I am Joe Mullinax, still Joe Mullinax, and that is still to Michael Cole, uh, the other half of the White Tee Boys, also a commercial appeal host, or excuse me, commercial appeal writer, beat writer, covering the Memphis Grizzlies. He is a phenomenal writer, does an amazing job covering the team, you should be following him at the Michael C. If you don't already do so, I'm a Grizzlies columnist. I write for Bluff City Media. You can check out my stuff there. I also have a piece uh, talking about the Grizzlies and Lakers series over at SB Nation on Monday, so you can go check that out as well. I'm writing. DeMichael's writing. We're here on Lockdown Grizzlies. Either one of us or both of us, each and every day throughout the playoffs. Stick with us. Make us a part of your journey. I think you'll be better off for it. Something that I'm not better off for is the way that fourth quarter ended to Michael. And I, I, again, you were there in the building, right? And it was said on social media. I think they might've said it a time or two on the broadcast on ABC. The building seemed kind of quiet for a majority of the game, not as intense 
as other Grizzlies playoff environments have been. Part of that is, you know, the way that Memphis was playing. The team bears some responsibility for that. Part of it was the afternoon start on a Sunday, maybe not quite as uh, turned up as Beale yeah. Street could potentially be on a, a Saturday night in Memphis, for example. Um, but I do think that what frustrated me the most beyond the first three quarters was the way that the fourth quarter ended. It seemed like with, you know, two or three minutes left, the Lakers, the game was closer than the final score indicates. Much the closer. Lakers ran it up there at the end. And I'm not mad at the Lakers. Play, it's the playoffs, man. Like the Lakers were making a point and good on them. The Grizzlies just kind of took it. And I don't know if it's because they were over it. Jaw was hurt. Combination yeah. of the two. They were disappointed that Rui Hachimura was cooking them. Whatever the case was, they just did not look like a team that wanted to fight back or finish. And that's not indicative of Memphis basketball. So for me, obviously, we can talk about Luke Kennard not getting enough shot attempts. We can talk about Dylan Brooks getting too many shot attempts. We can talk about our boy Xavier Tillman regressing back to summer league, our boy Xavier Tillman. There's lots of angles we can take here in terms of disappointment to Michael. But for me, I just felt like they kind of gave up at the end. And again, you were there in person. Maybe you'll disagree with me. I kind of hope you do. I mean, I really can't disagree with that. And I don't, I don't know if it was, it was get, it was giving up towards the, you know, when it's about four minutes left, three minutes sure. left. Sure, that's what I'm. Jaren, Jaren was carrying, carrying the team. Right. Uh, when Ja got hurt, I think it was five forty-eight left mm-hmm. uh, in the fourth quarter. Job went down. They were down four points. Uh, went back on the other end. I think the Lakers made a three, made it a seven-point game, something like that. Mm-hmm. And Jaron just carried the Grizzlies to the point. They made it a two-point game. They got back within two, and that was all she wrote. That was all she wrote. Uh, L.A., I mean, it was it was death by Austin Reeves. Mm. It was death by Austin Reeves. And, and that's kind of where I'm going here. I think, you know, um, the fact that the Lakers had five guys score 19 or more points. I think it was five guys, right? Mm-hmm. Austin Reeves, D'Angelo Russell, Rui, LeBron, AD. LeBron and AD, who cares? They're going to score 20. They are going to score, absolutely. Rui, you said it, 10, 12 points, book it. He's a great mid-range shooter. I, I think he's going to get that. D'Angelo Russell and Austin Reeves. D'Angelo Russell, particularly in the third quarter, Austin Reeves is yelling, I'm him in the fourth <laughs> quarter. <laughs> he sure did. He, 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 he's yelling, I'm him. I mean, you Bless you got you got Austin Reeves yelling that he's him. And I'm just gonna go out on a limb here, Joe. This is this is just it's just me talking. I haven't asked uh Desmond Bain this or anything, but I was talking to Desmond Bain uh before game one. And you know, I was like, you know, you're probably going to be guarding Austin Reeves. You know, what do you think about him? Desmond Bain, I would say fairly, you know, complimentary of a, of certain players in the league. He was like, oh, yeah, he's good. Good player. And I'm like, Big 12 guys, right? Mm. Going back, I'm watching the highlights. I'm like, oh, yeah, Austin Reeves. Mm. Oklahoma scored 41 points. Uh, Desmond Bain scored 26. TCU lost by two points. Might might be a little bit more spice to this relationship. And, and during the game, I see Desmond Bain hit a three pointer. He gives Austin Reeves a little side eye. I'm like, oh yeah, there's there's something there. So that's something that I'm gonna monitor throughout the rest of this series as well. But I tell you what, at the end of the day, Joe, Austin Reeves, Rui, and D'Angelo Russell cannot do that. 
that you're, you're going to lose. You're going to lose much quicker uh, than, than, than you can probably imagine if those three guys are cooking. I think the fact that Dylan Brooks, for, for as bad as his offense was, he did a heck of a job while he was in the game on LeBron James. Yep. And it's just it's it's mind-boggling because you're so used to so many Superman performances from LeBron James in his career. When you hold him to that type of night, you got to take advantage of Absolutely. As late, to your point, as late as two minutes and 45 seconds left in the game. And again, yeah. the Lakers won this game by 16. Won 16 by 16. Points. Yeah. With two minutes and 45 seconds left, Memphis was only down one. Mm. They were down one point at, with two minutes and 45. Then you have an Austin Reeves made layup. Austin Reeves made Austin three. Reeves. Austin Reeves Austin mid-range Reeves. shots. A couple of free throws from Anthony Davis. Davis does a dunk. Rui Archimura has a dunk. Anthony Davis with a dunk out in transition. And all of a sudden, literally within two minutes, the Grizzlies are down by 14 points. Yep. So, or 16 points, excuse me. So it, it just was a massive collapse. And I I like I said, disappointing. Austin Reeves, I'm still going to give Austin Reeves the benefit of the doubt. Like, at least he has a sustained run of scoring 19 points a game, right? He's good. 15 regular season games. He scored 19 on average. Credit where it's due. I'm not going to say he's not going to do that again. He probably won't take over a fourth quarter like that again. But I don't, I'm not going to say he's not going to score 19 again. I'm not saying you are either. I'm just, that's my point. I am very confident saying Rui Achimura will never do that again. And hopefully, the, the Grizzlies won't have Luke Kennard only shoot four three-point shots ever again. Mm-hmm. Now, again, credit the Lakers, and we'll talk more about this on tomorrow's episode of Lockdown Grizzlies. They yeah. did a good job limiting Luke Kennard's offensive opportunities, but they have to prioritize that more. Memphis does. They have to find ways to get Desmond Bain looks where he doesn't have to just come driving down from the top of the key. I've noticed that with Des. So much of downhill Des comes from around the same part of the basket. I want to see him do more cuts on the baseline. I want to see a little more variety in how they get him to the lane. I understand that they're going to try to take away Bain as a three-point shooter. And again, Dez shot three for 10 from beyond the arc. That's not good enough. Mm-hmm. But I, I really think that there's room for some some adjustment, you know, going into Monday and Tuesday here, today and Tuesday, uh, to, to have some practices and watch some film get better. And we'll talk more about all of that on tomorrow and Wednesday's episodes of Locked on Grizzlies. Thank you so much for making Locked on Grizzlies your first listen each and every day. Again, we are free and available wherever you get your podcasts. We appreciate all of you that are everydayers checking us out each and every day again, whether it's on YouTube, whether it's wherever you get podcasts. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Continue to do so. On tomorrow's episode, DeMichael, I don't know if you know this or not, we didn't talk about it purposefully on this show Yeah, because – the Defensive Player of the Year Award gets announced tonight, right? Yeah. It's tonight, yeah. Monday night. The DPOY will get named. And I don't know about you, Michael. I know you get paid to keep up with these things. I'm just a loser, and this is my hobby, and I, I follow it. I have a funny feeling that we're going to be talking about a new Memphis Grizzlies Defensive Player of the Year on our Tuesday edition of Lockdown Grizzlies. Yeah, Mark Gasol might be getting some company, huh? Mm-hmm. I don't, I don't think this one would be as scrutinized as, as no. that one. So uh, we'll see what happens. Uh, I, I'm more interested to see, you know, the splitting of the voting as well, just over the course. And I mean, we talked about the great season he's had here, and and he built up on last season. The reason he is is going to be 
arguably defensive player of the year is because last season he was first team all defense and he set the foundation. The foundation was set and then he came, he capitalized on that season, had an even better one, turned his whole Grizzlies team around after missing, you know, the first, forgot how many games he missed for the season, but right. after missing that first stretch and, uh, you know, I think he deserves it. I would agree. So either we're going to be celebrating Jaron Jackson Jr. in the first segment of Uh-oh. tomorrow's show, or I'm going to be yelling at people for about four to five minutes. And then DeMichael very calmly, very intelligently will be telling you more than likely why I'm right, but maybe he'll play some devil's advocate. If you check out Locked on Grizzlies every day, you know how this works more often than not. I'm the crazy one. He's the suave one. That's how it uh, flows. And we'll also talk about a little bit, you know, my boy, Luke Kennard, I mentioned him a moment ago. I want to see him get more shots. I want to see him have some more confidence. Some of the knocks on him going back to his Los Angeles Clippers days reared their ugly head against the Lakers. So I, I want to talk about Kennard tomorrow as well. So defensive player of the year results, Luke Kennard and more on our next episode of Lockdown Grizzlies. For DeMichael Cole, the commercial appeal, I am Joe Molinax of Bluff City Media and SB Nation. Thank you so much for checking us out on YouTube. Like, comment, rate, review, subscribe, wherever you get your podcasts. Keep making us part of your NBA and Memphis Grizzlies content consumption as the NBA playoffs grind along. For DeMichael, I'm Joe. Stay locked in. This is Locked on Grizzlies. Mike Rowe here with a few thoughts on my favorite sweatshirt, a classic zip-up hoodie that used to be navy blue but has since faded to what the fashionistas call a distressed indigo. It's 13 years old, soft as a flannel bathrobe, and after a few hundred dirty jobs, demonstrably and undeniably indestructible. This is the kind of sweatshirt girlfriends like to permanently borrow, but I've held on to this one because I got it from American Giant. American Giant makes all their stuff right here in the USA so they can control every link in their own supply chain. That matters because when you buy American Giant, you not only get great quality, you create jobs for people in factory towns all over the country. No pressure, but if you give a damn about the business of making things in America, you got to support the companies who are doing it right. Go to American-Giant.com slash Mike to get 20% off your first order. That's American-Giant.com slash Mike.